Chapter 19 of The Patchwork Girl of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica. The Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 19 Trouble with the Torrenhots. A day's journey from the Emerald City brought the little band of adventurers to the home of Jack Pumpkinhead, which was a house formed from the shell of an immense pumpkin. Jack had made it himself, and was very proud of it. There was a door, and several windows, and through the top was stuck a stovepipe that led from a small stove inside. The door was reached by a flight of three steps, and there was a good floor on which was arranged some furniture that was quite comfortable. It is certain that Jack Pumpkinhead might have had a much finer house to live in, had he wanted it, for Ozma loved the stupid fellow, who had been her earliest companion, but Jack preferred his pumpkin house, as it matched himself very well, and in this he was not so stupid, after all. The body of this remarkable person was made of wood, branches of trees of various sizes having been used for the purpose. This wooden framework was covered by a red shirt with white spots in it, blue trousers, a yellow vest, a jacket of green and gold, and stout leather shoes. The neck was a sharpened stick on which the pumpkin head was set, and the eyes, ears, nose, and mouth were carved on the skin of the pumpkin, very like a child's jack-o'-lantern. The house of this interesting creation stood in the centre of a vast pumpkin field, where the vines grew in profusion and bore pumpkins of extraordinary size, as well as those which were smaller. Some of the pumpkins now ripening on the vines were almost as large as Jack's house, and he told Dorothy he intended to add another pumpkin to his mansion. The travellers were cordially welcomed to this quaint domicile, and invited to pass the night there, which they had planned to do. The patchwork girl was greatly interested in Jack, and examined him admiringly. "'You are quite handsome,' she said, "'but not as really beautiful as the scarecrow.' Jack turned, at this, to examine the scarecrow critically, and his old friend slyly winked one painted eye at him. "'There is no accounting for tastes,' remarked the pumpkin-head with a sigh. "'An old crow once told me I was very fascinating, but of course the bird might have been mistaken.' Yet I have noticed that the crows usually avoid the scarecrow, who is a very honest fellow in his way, but stuffed. I am not stuffed, you will observe. My body is good, solid hickory. I adore stuffing, said the patchwork girl. Well, as for that, my head is stuffed with pumpkin seeds, declared Jack. I use them for brains, and when they are fresh, I am intellectual. Just now, I regret to say, my seeds are rattling a bit so I must soon get another head. "'Oh, do you change your head?' asked Ojo. "'To be sure. Pumpkins are not permanent, more's the pity, and in time they spoil. That is why I grow such a great field of pumpkins, that I may select a new head whenever necessary.' "'Who carves the faces on them?' inquired the boy. "'I do that myself. I lift off my old head, place it on a table before me, and use the face for a pattern to go by. Sometimes the faces I carve are better than others. 
more expressive and cheerful, you know. But I think they average very well. Before she had started on the journey, Dorothy had packed a knapsack with the things she might need, and this knapsack the scarecrow carried strapped to his back. The little girl wore a plain gingham dress and a checkered sunbonnet, as she knew they were best fitted for travel. Ojo also had brought along his basket, to which Ozma had added a bottle of square meal tablets and some fruit. But Jack Pumpkinhead grew a lot of things in his garden besides pumpkins, so he cooked for them a fine vegetable soup, and gave Dorothy, Ojo, and Toto, the only ones who found it necessary to eat, a pumpkin pie and some green cheese. For beds they must use the sweet dried grass which Jack had strewn along one side of the room, but that satisfied Dorothy and Ojo very well. Toto, of course, slept beside his little mistress. The scarecrow scraps and the pumpkin head were tireless, and had no need to sleep, so they sat up and talked together all night. But they stayed outside the house, under the bright stars, and talked in low tones so as not to disturb the sleepers. During the conversation the scarecrow explained their quest for a dark well, and asked Jack's advice where to find it. The pumpkin head considered the matter gravely. That is going to be a difficult task, he said, and if I were you, I'd take any ordinary well and enclose it so as to make it dark. I fear that wouldn't do, replied the scarecrow. The well must be naturally dark, and the waters must never have seen the light of day, for otherwise the magic charm might not work at all. How much of the water do you need? asked Jack. A jill. How much is a jill? Why, a jill is a jill, of course, answered the scarecrow, who did not wish to display his ignorance. I know, cried Scraps. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch— No, no, that's wrong, interrupted the scarecrow. There are two kinds of jills, I think. One is a girl, and the other is a jilly flower, said Jack. No, a measure. How big a measure? Well, I'll ask Dorothy. So next morning they asked Dorothy, and she said, I don't just know how much a jill is, but I've brought along a gold flask that holds a pint. That's more than a jill, I'm sure, and the crooked magician may measure it to suit himself. But the thing that bothers us most, Jack, is to find the well. Jack gazed around the landscape, for he was standing in the doorway of his house. This is a flat country, so you won't find any dark wells here, he said. You must go to the mountains, where rocks and caverns are. And where is that? asked Ojo. In the quadling country, which lies south of here, replied the scarecrow. I've known all along we must go to the mountains. So have I, said Dorothy. But goodness me, the quadling country is full of dangers, declared Jack. I've never been there myself, but I have, said the scarecrow. I faced the dreadful hammerheads, which have no arms and butt you like a goat. And I've faced the fighting trees, which bend down their branches to pound and whip you, and had many other adventures there. It's a wild country, remarked Dorothy soberly, and if we go there, we're sure to have troubles of our own. But I guess we'll have to go, if we want that jill of water from the dark well. 
So they said goodbye to the pumpkin head and resumed their travels, heading now directly toward the south country, where mountains and rocks and caverns and forests of great trees abounded. This part of the land of Oz, while it belonged to Ozma and owed her allegiance, was so wild and secluded that many queer people hid in its jungles and lived in their own way, without even the knowledge that they had a ruler in the Emerald City. If they were left alone, these creatures never troubled the inhabitants of the rest of Oz, but those who invaded their domains encountered many dangers from them. It was a two days' journey from Jack Pumpkinhead's house to the edge of the Quadling country, for neither Dorothy nor Ojo could walk very fast, and they often stopped by the wayside to rest. The first night they slept on the broad fields, among the buttercups and daisies, and the scarecrow covered the children with a gauze blanket taken from his knapsack, so they would not be chilled by the night air. Toward evening of the second day, they reached a sandy plain where walking was difficult, but some distance before them they saw a group of palm trees, with many curious black dots under them. So they trudged bravely on to reach that place by dark, and spend the night under the shelter of the trees. The black dots grew larger as they advanced, and although the light was dim, Dorothy thought they looked like big kettles turned upside down. Just beyond this place a jumble of huge, jagged rocks lay scattered, rising to the mountains behind them. Our travellers preferred to attempt to climb these rocks by daylight, and they realised that for a time this would be their last time on the plains. Twilight had fallen by the time they came to the trees, beneath which were the black circular objects they had marked from a distance. Dozens of them were scattered around, and Dorothy bent near to one, which was about as tall as she was, to examine it more closely. As she did so, the top flew open, and out popped a dusky creature, rising its length into the air and then plumping down upon the ground, just beside the little girl. Another and another popped out of the circular pot-like dwelling, while from all the other black objects came popping more creatures, very like jumping jacks when their boxes are unhooked, until fully a hundred stood gathered around our little group of travellers. By this time Dorothy had discovered they were people, tiny and curiously formed, but still people. Their skins were dusky, and their hair stood straight up, like wires, and was brilliant scarlet in colour. Their bodies were bare, except for skins fastened around their waists, and they wore bracelets on their ankles and wrists, and necklaces, and great pendant earrings. Toto crouched beside his mistress, and wailed as if he did not like these strange creatures a bit. Scraps began to mutter something about, Hoppity-poppity-jumpity-dump! But no one paid any attention to her. Ojo kept close to the scarecrow, and the scarecrow kept close to Dorothy. But the little girl turned to the queer creatures and asked, "'Who are you?' They answered this question altogether, in a sort of chanting chorus, the words being as follows, "'Where the jolly Toddenhots we do not like the day, but in the night tis our delight to gamble, skip, and play. We hate the sun, and from it run. The moon is cool and clear, so on this spot each Toddenhot waits for it to appear.' "'Where every one talk full of fun, and full of mischief too. "'But if you're gay, and with us play, we'll do no harm to you.' 
Glad to meet you, Todd and Hotz, said the Scarecrow solemnly. But you mustn't expect us to play with you all night, for we've travelled all day, and some of us are tired. And we never gamble, added the patchwork girl. It's against the law. These remarks were greeted with shouts of laughter by the impish creatures, and one seized the scarecrow's arm and was astonished to find the straw man whirl around so easily. So the Toddenhot raised the scarecrow high in the air and tossed him over the heads of the crowd. Someone caught him and tossed him back, and so with shouts of glee they continued throwing the scarecrow here and there, as if he had been a basketball. Presently another imp seized Scraps, and began to throw her about in the same way. They found her a little heavier than the scarecrow, but still light enough to be tossed like a sofa cushion, and they were enjoying the sport immensely when Dorothy, angry and indignant at the treatment her friends were receiving, rushed among the Tollenhots and began slapping and pushing them until she had rescued the scarecrow and the patchwork girl, and held them close on either side of her. Perhaps she would not have accomplished this victory so easily had not Toto helped her, barking and snapping at the bare legs of the imps until they were glad to flee from his attack. As for Ojo, some of the creatures had attempted to toss him also, but finding his body too heavy they threw him to the ground, and a row of the imps sat on him and held him from assisting Dorothy in her battle. The little brown folks were much surprised at being attacked by the girl and the dog, and one or two who had been slapped hardest began to cry. Then suddenly they gave a shout altogether, and disappeared in a flash into their various houses, the tops of which closed with a series of pops that sounded like a bunch of firecrackers being exploded. The adventurers now found themselves alone, and Dorothy asked anxiously, Is anybody hurt? Not me, answered the scarecrow. They have given my straw a good shaking up and taken all the lumps out of it. I am now in splendid condition, and I am really obliged to the Toddenhots for their kind treatment. I feel much the same way, said Scraps. My cotton stuffing had sagged a good deal with the day's walking, and they've loosened it up until I feel as plump as a sausage. But the play was a little rough, and I'd had quite enough of it when you interfered. Six of them sat on me, said Ojo, but as they are so little, they didn't hurt me much. Just then, the roof of the house in front of them opened, and the Toddenhot stuck his head out very cautiously and looked at the strangers. "'Can't you take a joke?' he asked reproachfully. "'Haven't you any fun in you at all?' "'If I had such a quality,' replied the Scarecrow, "'your people would have knocked it out of me. "'But I don't bear grudges. I forgive you.' "'So do I,' added Scraps. "'That is, if you behave yourself after this.' It was just a little rough house, that's all, said the Tottenhot. But the question is not if we behave, but if you will behave. We can't be shut up here all night, because this is our time to play, nor do we care to come out and be chewed by a savage beast or slapped by an angry girl. That slapping hurts like sixty. Some of my folks are crying about it. So here's the proposition. You let us alone, and we'll let you alone. "'You begin it,' declared Dorothy. "'Well, you ended it, so we won't argue the matter. "'May we come out again, or are you still cruel and slappy?' "'Tell you what we'll do,' said Dorothy. "'We're all tired and want to sleep until morning. 
if you'll let us get into your house and stay there until daylight, you can play outside all you want. That's a bargain, cried the Toddenhot eagerly, and he gave a queer whistle that brought his people popping out of their houses on all sides. When the house before them was vacant, Dorothy and Ojo leaned over the hole and looked in, but could see nothing because it was so dark. But if the Toddenhots slept there all day, the children thought they could sleep there at night. So Ojo lowered himself down and found it was not very deep. There's a soft cushion all over, he said. Come on in. Dorothy handed Toto to the boy and then climbed in herself. After her came Scraps and the Scarecrow, who did not wish to sleep, but preferred to keep out of the way of the mischievous Toddenhots. There seemed no furniture in the round den, but soft cushions were strewn about the floor, and these they found made very comfortable beds. They did not close the hole in the roof, but left it open to admit air. It also admitted the shouts and ceaseless laughter of the impish Torrenhots as they played outside. But Dorothy and Ojo, being weary from their journey, were soon fast asleep. Toto kept an eye open, however. And uttered low, threatening growls whenever the racket made by the creatures outside became too boisterous, and the scarecrow and the patchwork girl sat leaning against the wall and talking in whispers all night long. No one disturbed the travellers until daylight, when in popped the Torrenhot who owned the place, and invited them to vacate his premises. End of chapter nineteen.